0: Yeah, and there's no response. That's okay. That's all good. Okay, how great is it to have Forrest home here with us this week, right? So fun. I was up there this past week, um, and that's where I met them, and then because Jeremy was speaking up there, and it made me so excited for camp, guys, like so excited, right? And I was reminded that there's, like, two types of people, and this is especially true at camp, but this is just true overall in life too, okay? So there's two types of people, right? There's people who get angry when they're hungry, aka hangry, right? And then there's also a second type of person. Maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you do. There's tired, angry people, right? I don't know, tangry, aka tangry, I don't know, but That's me, right? I get tired and angry, and you do not want to mess with tired Elissa, right? No way. So my idea of a good Saturday night, I, like, put on my fuzzy socks, drink my cup of tea, and go to bed by 9.30. That's my kind of Saturday night, right? So don't mess with tired Elyssa, right? Okay, so something else you should know about me. I also recently moved out of my house from my parents' house, and then I got roommates, Maybe know where this store is going now, right? So I got roommates, I moved in to this like small little room. It wasn't even a house. it was like smaller than this stage, this tiny little room, and I was one of three people in this room. What craziness! There was a bunk bed and bunk beds, and like we were so close together. it was crazy. Now I've only had one other roommate in my life, and that was my sister when we were really little, and we're basically the same person, so there was never any issues there now one of my roommates, on the other hand, were very different people, very different, especially when it comes to sleep schedules. Oh boy, now you know where this is going, okay? So, I go to bed, 9.30, have my cup of tea, going into my bunk bed, you know, top bunk, the life, you know, great college life, it's awesome. So, I'm going to bed, turn off all the lights, I'm like, all right, bed by 9.30, this is so great. And the next thing you know, 2 a.m., lights turn on, and she comes on in, makes her cup of tea, all this stuff, and I'm like, no, why? Why? I'm so tired. And this is like, oh, I just, I was mid-sleep. And something you should also know, tired Elissa kind of says things, like mid-sleep, that she doesn't really know she's saying, maybe. And so I would be like, ugh, the lights, like when I like rolled over. And then in the morning, she'd be like, so um, I think you said something in your sleep last night. I think you were, like, annoyed that I turned on the lights. And I was like, I said that? Yeah, I was kind of annoyed. (laughs) Like, okay. And then something you should also know, though, sometimes this will come out, my anger, in, like, some passive-aggressive forms, if you don't know what that means. Basically, it means when you, like, bury it, and then it comes out later in different ways. So, was a little bit angry, but I wake up super early because, you know, I got to bed by like 9.30, and so I had like my early morning class, and I'd wake up, and I'd be like, Hope she knows how tired I am. So I'd turn on the coffee pot really loud, and I'd be like, oh, let me pour my Cheerios. Ksh, like, spill them everywhere and be like, I hope you feel how tired I am right now, right? That was terrible. Oh, it's the worst. But we totally know this feeling, right? We were are like, oh, I just want you to feel how I'm feeling right now. I'm so angry. I want you to feel my pain, right? So maybe you are like you are on a sports team or something, and this other team beat you, and they had, like, bad sportsmanship, and you're like, oh, I just want you to feel my pain, so when you see them in the school hallway, you're just like, no way, I'm not going to talk to you, or maybe your brother or sister, like, ate your favorite ice cream, and you're like, oh, no way, that is not okay, and so, You spit in their favorite ice cream. And you're like, maybe you'll just feel my pain. Or you eat their favorite. I don't know. Whatever it is. Okay? So we all feel this where we're like, oh, I want you to feel my pain. But maybe you experience this in a more serious sense as well. Right? Because I think it's a human reaction where we're like, oh, I feel this hurt and this pain. And I want you to feel it too. And so maybe you experience this in more of a serious sense, too. Maybe your parents got divorced, and maybe your mom or dad left, and you're so mad at them for leaving that you don't even talk to them when you see them. Or maybe your friends, they say really hurtful things to you at the lunch table, and you're like, oh, that hurts. And I want you to feel my pain, too. And so maybe you want to hurt them, whether that's, like, physically or emotionally and so you're mean back to them or you're mean to other people so that other people would just kind of understand your pain right now the cool thing is is that we have this book the bible right and the cool thing about the bible is that it's not just a book about good life advice it's so much more than that sometimes we can just think okay well maybe the bible can give me some advice about this But it's so much more. It has that, but even more. It's the ultimate story. It's a library full of stories talking about forgiveness. It's a story about God saying, you sinned against me and you wronged me, but I'm going to reach out and forgive you. And he sends Jesus. But it's also a story about a bunch of different people as well who are hurting one another, and how they navigate that through life. Do they forgive one another? Do they take revenge? So it's full of stories about that. So today we're going to be in a story in 1 Samuel. So go ahead and open your Bible to 1 Samuel 24. Okay? There's Bibles on the end of your rows. There's also notepapers, so grab one of those. 1 Samuel 24. And when you get to 1 Samuel 24, just scream out, got it. Yeah? Didn't know. First Samuel 24. I have 293. Got it? Got it. Good. Some people got it? Nice. All right. So, First Samuel 24. Got it? Get it? Got it. Good. Nice. 2 293, I think? Yes, 293. 293. Okay, so before we get into our story though, can I pray for us? Yeah? Okay, so go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray before we get into our story. God, we just invite you into this place this morning. God, sometimes we don't know how to deal with pain, and sometimes we're hurt by other people. And God, we need you in the midst of that, because we don't really know how to forgive people, because it hurts, God. So as we open your word this morning, would we learn what it means to forgive one another, and would we learn what it means that you forgave us, God? God, we love you, and we invite you into this place, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, as we get started in 1 Samuel 24, I have to do a ton of background, okay, because we're jumping into the 24th chapter, which basically means we're right in the middle of 1 Samuel, so we need to back up, okay, and get some background on this. So pay attention, I know maybe this is the part of the message where you're like, oh, I can tune out, it's the background, but don't, because in order to understand the story, you have to get the background, okay? So, 1 Samuel 24, basically, Samuel, this guy, he is a prophet, which basically means he's in conversation with God, and he tells the people what God has to say, okay? So in this time, the people are anointing. Anointing? I'm going to use that word a lot, okay? Anointing means choosing, okay? So the people are choosing a king to rule over the nation, okay? And so Samuel says, okay, God wants you to choose this guy named Saul, okay? So then Saul becomes king, but... Saul isn't the best king. Basically, Samuel's like, hey, God wants you to do this, or God instructs you to do this. And, and Saul would say, yeah, never mind. I'm going to do it my own way. And so he's this really selfish, bad king. So Samuel then says, okay, God is actually now saying that there's going to be a new king after Saul. Once Saul dies, there's going to be a new king. So Samuel goes to this guy named Jesse, Jesse lives in Bethlehem, and he has three sons, okay? Now, two of his sons are these, like, really good-looking, strong guys. So everybody's like, oh, it's probably going to be one of those older sons. But no. Instead, Samuel chooses the youngest son of Jesse, and his name is David. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe you might understand where this is going. Now, David is the youngest. He's not super strong guy, but he's the youngest, and he, he's a shepherd, which basically means he takes care of all the sheep in the field, the dirtiest job, right? And so, David then becomes chosen for the next king after Saul. Now, after a turn of events, Saul goes into battle with the Philistines, and they have this big giant named Goliath. Ooh, do we know where this story is? David and Goliath, right? So it's that same David that's chosen for, to be the next king. He then becomes this great mighty warrior who defeats the giant Goliath. What craziness, right? Okay, so then David, after he defeats Goliath, he also becomes this crazy mighty warrior. He's basically the star of the army, Okay? Now, in 1 Samuel 18, you don't have to flip there. It's going to be on the screen. After David has, like, defeated all of these people, the people sing. They say, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. But this made Saul really angry. What is this? He said, they credit David with ten thousand and me only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Ooh, right? So Saul, the king, he's like, what's going on? Everybody's saying that David's the best. Next, they're going to make him their king. Well, we know he is going to be the next king after Saul, right? And so um, Saul is just like super jealous of David. Now, this is our first point. And this is really important. This is something we learned from this. And this is, it talks about comparison, right? Saul immediately compares himself to David And it's this comparison that creates him to feel like he has to prove himself. So comparison creates us to feel like we need to prove we are better than others. Maybe you've experienced this. If you compare yourself to another person, you're going to want to make yourself better, right? Like, I want them to be less than me. And so you want to make yourself better. And that's what comparison creates in us. In this comparison is the start of our story. Crazy, okay? So Saul compares himself and he goes, I need to make sure that everybody knows that I'm the best and David is not. And so Saul decides to kill David and he goes on this mission. He hand chose an army of men to find David and kill him. Now he doesn't just say, okay guys, we're going to kill David. No, instead he's like, I'm going to hand choose these people to kill David. Now, that's one of our points up there. And you can write that down. It says, Saul does not choose ordinary troops. He hand chose men to kill David. He was on a mission, right? He was like, I need to make sure that everybody knows that I am the best. So I want David gone, right? So then in response to that, David runs. David's like, I need to get out of here because Saul is trying to kill me. So David gets out of there, and he flees to this faraway place where there's a cave, and he hides in the cave. Now Saul and his men go after him, and Saul just goes to this random cave to rest, but it so happens to be that same cave that David's in. This is like a movie, right? This is crazy. So Saul's in there resting, and David's in there like, oh my goodness, Saul's in here, but he doesn't know I'm in here, and he's hiding from him, and all of David's men are like, now's the time, David. You can kill him. He doesn't know you're in here. Do it. Now is the time, but this is where our story picks up, because what David does is shocking, okay? He, David decides not to kill Saul, and he says in the next verse, David says, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. What? So this is David's opportunity to kill Saul, and he says, I can't do this, because God chose Saul to be king for this time. I can't, I can't do this. And so in this moment, David says, I'm not going to see Saul for all of the ways he hurt me, Instead, I'm going to see Saul for who he is. He he is God's chosen king for this time. David chooses to see who Saul is. And he could have easily been like, yeah, this is the guy who has hurt me and has wronged me. But instead, I'm going to see him for who he really is. He's king. I can't kill him right now. So, in a turn of events... David instead cuts off, without Saul noticing, he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. And then Saul leaves, and David goes after him. And I think this is our next verse. David says, hey Saul, this proves that I am not trying to harm you, and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. So he says, hey, Saul, see this? I cut off your robe instead of killing you. That proves that I do not want to hurt you. And so Saul says in response, he says, is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, and he said to David, you are a better man than I am, for you have paid me good for evil. So it's this forgiveness that changes Saul. And Saul says, if you go to the next verse, he says, my son, David, is that really you? My son, David. Now this is huge. He calls David his son. Now maybe you're like, well, oh, that doesn't make sense. He's not his son, but this is a big deal. Basically, Saul was keeping David at an arm's length and saying, I want to kill you. Get out of my kingdom. You're terrible. And instead he says, my son, David. And he welcomes him back into the kingdom. Now, when David becomes king after Saul dies, he doesn't become king as an outsider. He becomes king as part of Saul's family. Because Saul called him his son. So when David forgave Saul, it was this huge change. Where then Saul calls him his son, David, and welcomes him back in. This changes Saul, right? Right? this forgiveness completely changes him. Um, And our next point says forgiveness changes everyone involved, right? Because when David decided to forgive, he said, I'm going to see you as who you are, Saul. And this changed Saul's action, right? He was like, I no longer want to hurt David. Now, what does that mean for us? Because I think for us, there's this thing that I have often heard people say, and it's called, it says, hurt people hurt people, right? And there's this also thing called the cycle of hurt that, um, that made, this just made me think about this cycle when we were talking about this. Now, stick with me for a second. Feel free to write this down. Now, when someone hurts us, so I'm going to write that down. Someone hurts us. This is the start of the cycle of pain, right? Someone says something mean to us. Maybe they call us a name. They say we're ugly, we're annoying, we're not good enough to be their friend. Or maybe the same um, situation as before. Maybe our parents get divorced and we feel like we're not good enough. And we, that hurts us. And so that's the start of the cycle. Someone hurts us. So then that leads us into feeling hurt. Now maybe that's like, well, yeah, of course. But we hold on to those feelings. And that's okay to feel hurt. That's a normal human experience, to feel hurt and to feel pain. And so when someone hurts us, we hold on to that. I'm like, oh, I just feel terrible. That just hurts me. That's not fun. And so in response to feeling hurt, we decide to hurt someone else. And then, from there, that just repeats that cycle. Because now that person is hurt. And they feel that pain. And then they decide to hurt someone else. And then that person feels hurt. And it's just this never-ending cycle of pain and destruction, right? Because we're like, oh, man, that's hard. And how do we forgive someone who has hurt us from that start, right? Now, We see in David, David decides to change this cycle of hurt. He easily could have been like, Saul hurt me, and I had to flee out of the country, so I'm going to kill Saul instead because I have the opportunity, and then that's just going to keep the cycle going. But instead, David says, I'm going to see Saul for who he is. He's the chosen king. So forgiveness, it's okay if we don't feel forgiveness right away because it takes time. But the start of forgiveness is to see the other person for who they are. Maybe you're like, what? What is that? So I'm going to just write this in the middle. I'm going to say forgiveness. Oh, I almost messed up. Forgiveness, and I'm going to put see the person. Now it's this part, when we forgive someone and we decide to see who they truly are, it starts a new cycle of forgiveness and this is our way out of the old cycle of hurt and pain, right? What does that mean for us? Because sometimes we're like, yeah, but they hurt me, and I don't want to feel like, you know, they're a great person, and that's okay. Now, for me, that same roommate before, and it might have been silly about me being tired and all of that, but we actually did have a lot of problems, and we would often hurt each other. We would say things. She said things that hurt me. I would say things that hurt her, and we were just in this never-ending cycle, and I was constantly just so, like, defeated and annoyed, and I only saw her for the ways she hurt me. She had said those mean things to me. How do I get over that? That hurts, and so I only saw her as the way that she hurt me, but then I heard God telling me, you know, Why not see her for who she is? You know, God created her and made her in his image as well. And he calls her a beautiful masterpiece. The same way he calls us a beautiful masterpiece. So what if I see her for who she is? And that broke that cycle of hurt. So I don't know what it is for you, but I know we've all probably been hurt, right? Right? I mean, we're human, and hurt people hurt people. And so, on the edges of your rows, um, in the carts, there are these little handouts. And during this time, there's going to be some music playing in the background. And during this time, you're just going to write the name of someone that has hurt you. It might be kind of hard to even write their name, and that's okay. And then on the bottom it says, write one thing that God has uniquely gifted that person with. And I know you're like, oh, that's so hard to do. Why do I have to, like, compliment them? But that's the start of a new cycle of forgiveness. We get to say, God, you created them as well, and I want to see them through your eyes, God. And I want to learn how to let go of that hurt because I'm tired of hurting other people in response. So take this time to go ahead and write that down on your response card. So, um, as we close up today, as you guys know, there's prayer boxes in the back. And so, on your way out, you're just going to take that response card and put it in the prayer boxes. Because that's just a way of saying, God, I don't want to hold on to this hurt anymore. And it's also a way of saying, God, I can't do this forgiveness thing on my own because I need you, God. It's so hard. And I want to see that person through your eyes, Jesus. Jesus. So will you guys close your eyes and bow your head as we pray? God, we just pray that we would be reminded this morning that you don't want us to hold on to that hurt and pain anymore because it just creates a never-ending cycle of hurt and pain, God. We pray that we would receive your forgiveness and would we extend that to other people, God. Sometimes it's so hard and so we need you, Jesus. Would you help us to see that person through your eyes and start a new cycle of forgiveness, God? We pray for our weeks and the rest of our days, God, that you would just be with us and that you would just give us your peace and your strength that only comes from you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. And how good is it?